I am Jim Collison, and live from our virtual studios around the world, or at least here in the United States, this is Gallup's Call to Coach, recorded on January 15th, 2021. Call the Coach is a resource for those who want to help others discover and use their strengths. We have Gallup experts and independent strengths coaches share tactics, insights, and strategies to help coaches maximize the talent of individuals, teams, and organizations around the world. If you're listening live, love to have you join us in our chat room. That link is actually just right above me there on the live page. Join us in YouTube. Sign into the chat room. We'd love to have your questions as we go about this. If you're listening after the fact and you're not live, you can always send us an email coaching at gallup.com. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app or there on YouTube, a great way for uh, you to get notified whenever we have anything new. And of course, uh, you can always subscribe on YouTube to get the notifications when we are live. Dr. Jacqueline Robinson is our host today. She works as a learning and development consultant at Gallup. And Jacqueline, great to have you back on Called the Coach. Welcome back. Thank you. Good to I'm have happy you. happy to be here. We have a guest with us today. Why don't you take a second and introduce our guest as well? Yes. So I am really excited for our guest today. We we are both based out of the Irvine, California office. So um, happy to have my colleague here, Vibhas Ritanji. He's a subject matter expert here at Gallup. And, um, you know, it's just a pleasure to have him. He specializes in executive level engagement strategies. He facilitates Gallup consulting programs, um, including strengths-based leadership and succession management. He's also an executive coach and a leadership consultant to senior executives and CEOs. I think it's also just important to note that he's one of our key members of the Gallup Speaker Bureau, and he presents frequently on management and leadership development at industry forums across the world. Um, and he is actually going to be helping us today as we think about sharing a vision. So we know a lot of leaders right now, this is something that they've actually had to do across time. 2020 was a very interesting time, I think, for all of us. Um, so, you know, straight, almost straight off in 2020, we were having to think about um, leaders and how they were creating that that new vision in this world of COVID. Now we're getting into 2021. We, you know, I think we thought things would change right away as soon as January 1st hit, um, but we still have a lot of work to do. Leaders might even be feeling a little bit burned out at this point because since March 2020, they've been trying to create this vision, bring a strategic narrative to the forefront with their employees. Um, and it might just not be sticking. So today, what we're really here to talk about is how do we share that vision with employees? And how do leaders do so in a way that inspires their employees and drives them towards action? Uh, how do we create that sense of hope and inspiration? So that being said, I'm going to I'm going to kick it right off and say 2020 was a rough year. 2021, we still have a lot of work to do. So, uh, Vibas, how do you inspire employees coming out of this this level of adversity and change if you are a leader? Yeah, it's interesting when you when you think about 2020 and, you know, I, when I was having conversations with a lot of people in 2020, uh, there was a lot of conversation about, you know, just the stroke of midnight on December the 31st. 2020 things will change and everything will go back to normal i really feel that we are kind of i think we're going through a moment of time rather than mm -hmm. a calendar year so kind of in a shared history but when you think about inspiration it's so important for for leaders to be able to inspire and create a clear vision and so on the challenge around that is not just 2020 in fact even before that our research shows that there have been a lot of issues so I think we did some research even pre-pandemic and pre-2020 around how inspired do employees feel. 
So in our research, we saw that only about, I think about 13% actually said, I strongly agree that the leadership communicates effectively to me, or I think we would lower about one in 10 who said that, you know, the organization and the leaders make me feel enthusiastic about the future. Yes. So, so I think it's an issue that uh, spans a larger time than just 2020. But I think the importance of creating a clear vision, an inspiring vision, and a purpose statement and kind of reconnecting people with why they're in business for well, what is the purpose of the organization becomes all the more important yeah that's so true and and we've been seeing that even this this past year um this past year even leading into january speaking with organizations are really struggling with creating that that level of inspiration and they might have found a way to do so a, a little bit during COVID 19 and they were really clear with communication but now we're just getting back to that stage where it's you know how do i keep it going if i'm if i'm not clear on what 2021 looks like how do i create that that inspiration for them um how do i put that strategic narrative in place so what is it that that gallup's research says that inspire um what is it that Gallup's research says about what inspirational leaders do? Apologies there. Yeah, no, I think it's interesting. So we've done, of course, a lot of research around leadership. So we did uh, recently, about a few years ago, kind of did a, what we'd call a meta-analysis of competencies. So essentially, mm -hmm. look at all competencies and what's out there. We did our own research, more than 550 research studies to try to understand, well, what, what are the key competencies of leaders? And it's interesting, we came up with seven key competencies. Now, when I look at those seven competencies, three out of those seven competencies have to do directly with inspiration. So these are things like inspire others, communicate clearly and lead change. When you think about the job of leadership, I, I think I strongly believe it's inspiration. Uh, that's a big part of what you're expected to do as a leader. I'm always reminded of this quote, uh, leaders are dealers in hope. Mm -hmm. actually, Napoleon Bonaparte said that uh, interestingly. So when you think about uh, what a leader is expected to do and how you expect it to communicate, it's kind of interesting. You sometimes think of inspiration as charisma or mm -hmm. extroversion. And when you true. think about great inspiring leaders, it's Steve Jobs and you know how he communicated and so on. Uh, it was really interesting. I, I, I use this example a lot. You know, when um, Steve Jobs was asked this question, like, what is the purpose? What is the vision of Apple? He said to create a dent in the universe. Hmm. When, when you think about that, wow, you know, that's really inspiring. But then when you think about, well, what do I do to create a dent in the universe? You know, <laughs> what are the specific, tell me what. So in his leave of absence, when Steve Jobs was unwell and Tim Cook take, uh, took over, Tim Cook was asked the same question. And his response was a 700 word description of what the purpose of the organization is. So I, I really think great leaders, when it comes to inspiration, strike that balance between uh, inspiration and clarity, mm -hmm. inspiration and performance. So, and I think that's what people are looking for in a very disruptive environment. It's not just great words and, you know, we're going to get out of this, you know, we're going to progress forward, but tell me clearly what the future looks like. Tell me the role I play. I think that balance, great leaders strike that balance between inspiration and performance. Vivas, we're coming off of a year that uh, leaders are exhausted, right? Mm -hmm. They are. Can you give a few words around? I mean, I, I, it's great to think about we have to be leaders that inspire. Many of them are in damage control. They're tired. Yeah. So yeah. what would we say? What does our data say? Or what, what, what can you think about? How do we get them back? Like, how do we inspire those that need to inspire? Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, and, and, and engagement, as you know, we've been tracking it for a fairly long time. In the recent readout we did, we did say that after a historic high on employee engagement in the peak of the crisis, we're starting to see things kind of turn back to normal. One of the kind of sharpest declines we're seeing is actually for leaders and managers. So you're right, Jim. I think there is a certain amount of COVID fatigue here. But just in my work with the executive teams, one of the key things that is coming up is the need for alignment around what the future looks like. Uh, during the pandemic, in the peak of the pandemic, I think there was heightened agility and kind of newfound agility and great communication and all of that. And the great examples of leaders communicating. I think the key focus is going to be what, which of those fantastic behaviors are, going to, are you going to take into 2021? I'm seeing uh, kind of things kind of uh, balancing out now. You know, all that communication was great. But then slowly, even when we do focus group discussions with our clients, there's, there's, not, there's less communication. There's less clarity going into 2021. So I, I would say prioritization has to be the leadership team in terms of how they are aligned. They were aligned in 2020. Mm -hmm. How will they continue to be aligned going forward when they're going to be able to, uh, when they're going to be making in, important decisions about what the future looks like? That's where the vision comes in also uh, in terms of clarity and having a vision that's compelling for everyone. From the, the physical well-being side, this is something, Jim, you and I talked about last year just in terms of um, how do we get people woken up and warmed up? How do we inspire them? And it's get outside too. Go go walk. Think through what's inspired you in this last year, how you've been able to create some um, some creativity out of the adversity. Get that thought process brewing so that when you go back into the the office, whether it's your home office or you're working on site, um, you're re-energized and that's really helping you think about how you want to then take what's inspiring you or that passion you have to to translate it down. Um, even more specifically to the managers that they're going to be working with, how does each manager who's running each of these departments translate what they're doing down to the employees? But getting out and getting outside, what a difference that can make just to give someone a little bit of that extra pep in their step to get the the noodle brewing. Yeah. Vivas, you alluded to this just a second ago, but John uh, Sexton in the chat room says, what strategies do you see from executives, organizational leaders who seem to be navigating our present environment? Well, again, you alluded to this as far as the communication bit. What stands out in, in terms of their approach? What are we seeing that had worked well that may translate then into this next phase of recovery? It's a great question. Great, great question. Yeah, a couple of things that kind of stand out, at least in my work with executive teams, is one is kind of reconnecting with the purpose of the organization and, mm -hmm. and, and in a more meaningful way than just words on the wall. You know, I think every organization has a purpose statement and every organization has a vision statement. What is interesting is that a lot of organizations are redrawing their vision statements because of the disruption of 2020. You know, uh, are, are elements of your vision do they need to change? Because, and remember, purpose is timeless. Vision is time bound. So essentially, vision is a little bit more dynamic than purpose is. You don't change your purpose all the time. It's why you exist. But I'm, what I'm seeing a lot of uh, um, leaders do is getting clarity around what the purpose and the way forward is, communicating in a way that is inspiring. And when I say that, it's not just, you know, standing in a town hall meeting and, you know, going through your uh, profit and loss and your EBITDA and your, you know, all, all those financial terms, but real stories of heroics. You know, I've worked with a lot of healthcare companies. And if you think about the kind of heroics people have seen, those stories are the ones that are more powerful than a chart 
with uh, PNL ratios, you know. So I think that 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 switch you need to make to creating inspiration, not just as a leader inspiring, but stories of inspiration. I think that's that's really important. So I think that's one. In healthcare, I um, I, I I read about this hospital where they did huddles in the morning, and instead of just calling them huddles, they call them hope huddles, mm-hmm. where instead of talking about yeah, how many people went on ventilators they talked about how many people went off ventilators. You know, that's such an appreciative uh, way of looking at it. So that kind of inspiration and stories of inspiration, I think that's one. The other is, uh, the second one is really behaviors. You know, it's just going into 2021 and the and the future. Let's be very clear about what are the behaviors and principles that will drive performance. And I think that's what, and, and going back to 2020, all the agility I talked about, those were behaviors and every executive team I talked to, they talk about how great it was and how the team rallied and, and so on. Write down those behaviors, really. And and think about what you need to do as leaders to keep focusing on those behaviors in the future. So I think I would call it, I mean, you can call it purpose and principles. Get your purpose right, communicate it in a really powerful way, in an inspiring mm-hmm. way, and get those principles that made you successful and ensure that they, you keep driving them in the future. I, one thing I wrote down as you were talking was the stories of inspiration. And as we think about the the number of coaches that we have today and that we'll be listening in and as executive coaches ourselves, um, one of the, the coaching questions that came to mind for me is asking leaders, describe a moment of inspiration that you've had in the last week. I'd also love to hear from you. What are some great coaching questions that you like to ask leaders to help them um, really get practical and think about these moments of inspiration, these stories, best practices that they've that they've experienced to get their head out of the weeds and into that that level of positive thinking? Great question, Jacqueline. Uh, and you know, I'm a lifelong uh, student of appreciative inquiry. It's something that I've I've built all my work around for the past twenty years. And uh, and I worked with Diane Whitney, who's kind of the co-creators of Appreciative Inquiry. I've been trained by her. I think a lot of those questions that we need to put in play as leaders are appreciative questions. Mm-hmm. So rather than deficit-based questions about what went wrong, rather than a root cause analysis of failure, uh, it should be a root cause analysis of success. So some of the great questions are like, tell me about a high point experience out of 2020. You know, you, you automatically, when you think about 2020, it's, hey, a lot went wrong. But no, but there's a lot that went right. You know, so tell me, give me a story about a high point experience. Or tell me what you valued about 2020 the most. Uh, you know, I mean, those questions are fantastic questions. And the, the, what I like about them is they're solutions focused. Mm-hmm. You're saying, well, what happened that made that difference? And how, how can you, <laughs> a positive image is equal to positive action, right? Yes. Uh, so that's the thing. If you keep focusing on problems and what happened, you know, you'll find more problems. If you focus on solutions, you'll find more solutions. So I think the for coaches, that conversation and the kind of questions you you use are more strengths-based. I know when mm-hmm. we talk about strengths, we talk about individual strengths. A lot of us are strengths finder coaches. Think about organizational strengths. In appreciative inquiry, they call it the positive core. So what's the positive core of the organization? And that that is what is resilient. That is what will take the leaders and organizations into the future. I highly recommend appreciate it. such a, I love that because now at that organization wide level, we're thinking, what have you all done as an organization in 2020 that moved the company forward? Or what are you proud of that you um, did as an organization in 2020? 
so I, I love that idea of high level. We're not just thinking about individuals at this point, but with leaders, they are thinking more organization-wide, uh, macro level, and those questions really tap into it. What yeah. a perfect um, combo to take appreciative inquiry alongside Clifton Strengths and Strengths Coaching. It's just they pair so well together. Yeah, I, there is so much, there's so much synergy between these approaches and not, not just mm -hmm. appreciative inquiry. And some of you as coaches are familiar with the solutions focused approach or solutions based coaching, mm -hmm. uh, all of that stuff. I think it all aligns really, really well. So when you think about appreciative leadership or appreciative team building and everything Gallup knows about recognition uh, and the power of recognition. This is when we need it the most, <laughs> you know, it's, this is the year we, 2021 has to be the, the year of appreciation uh, and recognition and acknowledgement more than any other year. That I think that's so well said in the sense if you ever want to, you know, if the battery's dead, you jumpstart it with recognition. And I, I think if a culture is dead, uh, a corporate culture is struggling, let's not call it dead because that, that's not, that's not positive. Yeah. But if it's really, <laughs> really struggling, uh, to give it a boost, I think that recognition piece can kick in and, and, mm -hmm. and do that. Vipassa, a question from the chat room, though, I think that's important. It says, uh, when you mention clarity, do you mean looking back at your successes and failures and working towards the future with hindsight? Doesn't hindsight limit vision at times? And, and as we look at 2020, it's a special year. So talk a little bit about that. Hindsight is not 2020, right? It's, it's just... <laughs> When you think about that in retrospect, it's, yeah, when I say clarity, uh, you know, it's it's not about letting employees know every six, every individual aspect of your strategy, but giving them enough information so that they know that what they do and their role connects to the vision and the purpose of the company. And, and I call it personalizing your purpose or personalizing the purpose of an organization. You know, the question we ask on our Q12 engagement survey is the mission or purpose of my company makes me feel my job is important. And I think there's a, there's a need, there's a reason why we say makes me feel my job is important because that's what it is. How do I connect what I do to the purpose and the vision of the organization? Uh, an idea there is um, this whole concept of uh, what what's called a strategic narrative. You know, I mean, I, I think it's kind of moving away from, hey, you, what is the vision of the organization? But I, I think of uh, the strategic narrative as vision and purpose on, on a journey. And, and in fact, when you think about visioning, I always think about it as um, not what we will become, but what we are becoming. Because it's a journey, okay. you're, you know, you're not just vision, you're, you're, you're moving towards that. It's a process. So I, I think more and more what employees want to know is not the outcome, but the journey. What, what is the path we're taking? Uh, well, and, and creating a lot of confidence around the path or multiple paths we're taking, you know, because you know what, you don't know what 2021 will throw at us. But people want that level of, you know, I mean, you know, the four needs of followers, you know, trust, stability, compassion, and hope. When it comes to trust and stability, tell me enough about where we are coming from, where we are, and where we're going to give me the confidence that, uh, what I'm doing, what I'm contributing is in the right direction. So that whole point about bringing purpose down to the front line is so important. And that ties right back into what Jim was mentioning earlier about the value of recognition. Um, people want to know that they're creating value and that they're they're doing something that's connected to the, the purpose or mission of the organization. But if they're not getting that recognition, they don't know if they're valued. They don't know if what they're doing matters. They don't know if the work they're doing is even excellent. Um, so that, that recognition piece, I think can support managers and leaders as they think about helping other people see how they're creating that, 
what I like to call the purposeful productivity that is geared yeah, towards right. the mission of the organization. Yeah. The boss, do you, um, speaking of strategic narrative, do you have some examples of strategic narrative and what that looks like? Yeah, I mean, there, there's so many and it, they tend to be very individualized. So Microsoft has one and it's the, Microsoft has a purpose statement, but they also have a narrative, which is a little longer. And, and again, that's the kind of the shared understanding. I, I, mm -hmm. I love the word shared vision mm -hmm. because you know, when you say vision, it's always like, hey, it's the company's vision. And there's a little bit of uh, kind of alienation there like oh it's the company's vision but you know how much ownership do you have on vision so chipotle has a wonderful one you can you can just go on their website because they put the strategic narrative or the narrative on their website but i think the point here is you need a narrative that builds on your purpose that builds on your vision which is not just your purpose but it's the description of your purpose and what that will look like in the future. And I really think it creates that clear path for employees. So when I work with uh, leaders around creating a strategic narrative, I make sure that they include a couple of things. You know, it's, uh, is there a role for employees in that purpose statement? Now, when you say, uh, here's where the vision of the organization of the purpose, here's the context for change. Like, here's what we're doing and here's where we're changing. Here's a role that you play as an employee now that's a great that's a great narrative because the purpose by itself the statement by itself think about GE mm -hmm. uh, when you think about GE's purpose it's to bring good things to life it's a great statement you know it's a great slogan if you may but what does it mean for me what does it mean for me today and this year <laughs> you know so the yes. narrative is a really good way of kind of. Uh, now, when you think about Martin Luther King and it's Martin Luther King Day on, on Monday, when you think about is the I have a dream speech, that's a powerful na narrative. It's connecting. It, it's not just I, you know, I have a dream, but it's the, the context of his <laughs> of what he said and how it connected with people. I think yeah. leaders ought to do more of that. I think leaders and teams, executive teams need to come together and create that narrative that creates that clear pathway. Uh, that cuts through all the noise in of 2020 and 2021. And it's clear, like, here's where we're going. Here's the path. I think that's important. Mm -hmm. Vipas, um, Lisa's asking in the chat room, can you give a specific example as you think about a leader and, and you know, we'll change the names to protect the innocent in this uh, maybe, but any specific examples are you thinking in your work where we you've worked with a leader to do something like this? And how did you approach that as a coach? Yeah. So let me give you, I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to, uh, you know, blank out <laughs> any kind of client kind of, uh, <laughs> but this is a, this is interesting. This is actually a, a, an organization I worked with uh, on the East coast and, um, uh, and they really are an engineering company and full of engineers, you know, and they were, they were kind of coming together to kind of put together a, a vision statement and a purpose statement and a set of clear values. So you worked with them for a fairly long time on that. Now, when you think about this company, they actually um, create products and components that go on a space shuttle. Mm -hmm. So you can imagine the level of sophistication and high tech involved there. And leaders are a bunch of engineers. And the big, big issue there was, do they really get the soft stuff? You know, like this vision and purpose and it's too superficial and so on. It was interesting. We started off by giving all the leaders and there were about actually 30 of them. We gave them a bunch of questions, appreciative questions, right? What do you value the most and so on. So go and interview your people about what the, mm. what the future should look like and so on. And it was interesting 
that act itself was kicking away was, was was kicking off the process of change because when you ask the ask the, the act of asking a question itself is change mm-hmm. right so when they were asking these questions they were actually learning a lot so it's not gallop going in there and doing a bunch of interviews which we do for some consulting work we do but it was the leaders asking those questions when they came back this group of engineers and you could imagine the room the, the positive energy in the room was tremendous because they were saying okay what's possible so where they were saying well the vision of the organization is our technical expertise and how we'll drive it it morphed into um our, it morphed into nation building and the contribution we make it's that big purpose statement that they came up with around changing the world essentially so i i think that's that's interesting because you're now going into a narrative rather than mm-hmm. a statement uh, I, i don't know whether this fits the bill uh, jim but i think that's that's what it is you know using positive inquiry to create a positive outcome and then communicating it in a credible clear and compelling way mm-hmm. to employees is key no i think it's a, i think it's a great example let me th- bring this in as well so adrian says i've been spending time with my clients doing exercises around being agile in this moment these moments of ambiguity love to hear your thoughts as we think about agility into this in in what you've been talking about what is the role of being agile uh in this area of leadership I mean agility is is incredibly important and it's also a buzzword <laughs> you know everybody's talking about agility and uh, uh you know and then when you think about agility you think about scrum teams and scrum masters and the whole process around it i think gallup's view is very clear uh, agility is not just process it's also mindset so it's process and mindset i define agility as as adaptability plus speed plus execution <laughs> i think that's important because it's not just you know yeah it's not just pace it's also the ability to pivot and at the end of the day flawless execution you can't be agile if you don't execute but when i work with organizations that are on agility adaptability speed and execution i want i want examples of that i want mm-hmm. stories i want to know where this worked at its best so when we work with organizations around driving agile behaviors we start with these three we frame some important questions around these and we ask leaders to go and find out you know examples of these and come back to us uh, and just that because you know it moves away from being hey agility as a buzzword to an important shift in mindset uh, and and really again going back to recognition acknowledgement of where we are adaptable because mm-hmm. you know human beings are i think wired to always kind of automatically look at the negative aspect and the deficit based mindset when you make that pivot and you make that shift to a positive inquiry mindset i think that changes a lot so i think agility is important uh, execution is even more important uh, uh, and the behaviors the agile behaviors that we've demonstrated during 2020 2021 will be a very different year and those same behaviors might not necessarily operate mm-hmm. uh, a question i always ask leaders is did it really take a crisis for you to be agile and that's what it seems to be the case you know like oh yeah we were we were fantastic we were agile why because there was a pandemic why can't you be agile by design <laughs> you know and i think this kind of positive inquiry kind of creates that agility in definition rather than just as a concept what i love about what you've been saying over the last few minutes too is this this really takes us back to that shared vision piece um it can't be a shared vision if they're not going back and they're asking employees for their thoughts and opinions and what have we done well and 
you know, I'm just hearing that from you. So it's the leader creating this vision, but the way that it's becoming a shared vision is by asking these questions. Um, and these examples that you've provided, they're going back to the employees and the employees are really excited about that too. It sounds like, you know, th their, their opinions feel like they count, they feel valued. And we know if we're taking that strengths-based approach and, and leading with appreciative inquiry, that's going to increase their engagement if we're starting to talk about things that inspire, things that they've done well. So I love where you're going with this. I think it's, it's talking about strengths and engagement. Um, which then leads us into well-being, right? Which we know everyone is focused on this year is how do we enhance the well-being of not just our leadership, but of our employee base as well. They're really hurting. It can start with appreciative inquiry and thinking about that vision. How do we inspire through the vision? Um, let's share the vision together. Let's get really excited about it, where we've come and where we're heading. Um, yeah. Do you think inspiration is enough to drive performance and growth? Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, it's absolutely not. <laughs> you know, I mean, you can, <laughs> you can you can inspire away, but you know, at the end of the day, as I said, adaptability, speed, and execution. At the end of the day, the focus has to be on on performance for sure. But you know, sometimes when you think about performance, uh, you think about motivation, mm -hmm. and there's a difference between inspiration and motivation. You know, when mm -hmm. you think about motivation, it's you're motivated to do something. And it's usually, and you can motivate people by creating an environment and so on. I think inspiration is intrinsic. It's it's me and it's it's what I'm inspired to do. It's inside <laughs> in many ways. Yeah. So I think realizing that they're two different things is is going to be very important. Uh, um, and that's where inspiration comes from communication. That's where the, the job of leadership is really inspiring others. Mm -hmm. Right. Job, the job of managers is also to inspire. So it's not just, you know, the leaders expected to be the one who inspires. Managers also need to inspire. But managers need to inspire as well as motivate, you know, and create engagement and the performance focus as well. Uh, I, again, great leaders, the ones I've coached, uh, they do, they, have, they balance inspiration and performance. Mm -hmm. One's not enough. Uh, just inspiring is not enough. Just focusing on performance is not enough either. You know, if all you're doing is, perform, 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 even though you're a great performance coach yes. and all of that, you're a, you're a slave driver at the end of the day. <laughs> perform, perform. What about me? What about my intrinsic motivation and what I want to do uh, and how that connects with the purpose? I, I think you need both. Absolutely. It reminds me of, of sometimes what we talk about whenever we're, we are running through strengths courses is we can't just think about the hands, but who's the human behind the hands? Uh, we, we've got to think about the person as a whole. What are some maybe coaching questions that you would hand leaders or suggest to leaders that they could ask managers that taps into in inspiration and performance? Yeah, I mean, some of the questions that actually in some of our courses are, are fantastic as well. You know, and, and, mm -hmm. and I remember the old, uh, I don't know how many people would remember this, but the four keys uh, of management that Gallup kind of came up with. Um, questions like, what do you expect of me this year? You know, mm -hmm. uh, tell me about a time when you felt recognized, what happened, what created that level of recognition. Uh, tell me about a time when you're in the flow, when you actually did something exceptionally well. What did you do? Uh, I think that it boils down to that individualization, right? Because mm -hmm. I think how people feel inspired and want to be inspired is also different. Mm -hmm. So you might have that overall inspiration about where the organization is going and so on. But when it comes to one-on-one -on -one conversations, understanding the strengths of an individual, their Absolutely. motivations, their beliefs, what they value, uh, that is also kind of uh, really important. 
uh, in terms of inspiration. So getting to know people and how they want to be inspired is key to inspiring them. I think there's a really great question in the chat room. Uh, bring this in. How, how do cultural implications affect inspiration, right? In some countries, high power distance is very common in working cultures. How does a personal connected or, or how can a personal connection be established in such case? I think even in, in um, some work environments, let's just take the United States as an example. We were talking about this in pre-show. There's cultural differences between gig economy jobs and old economy jobs. And, and, and we have a new, we, you know, we're operating in this kind of new world, so to speak of, of that. So can you talk a little bit about, it's not all the same for everybody and not all executive teams work the same and not all cultures work the same. So talk, how, how does culture play a role in this? Yeah, it, it does. I, I see, I, I hear a couple of questions there, Jim, in, in, in part, <laughs> but let me try to, let me try to uh, answer some of them. I think this point about culture, and when I say culture, not just organizational culture, but regional culture, I think it, it does play a role. Uh, I've been working in the U.S., as, as you guys know, for the past uh, three or four years, and I spent most of my time uh, cutting my teeth in Asia <laughs> with Gallup in Singapore <laughs> and Thailand and India and so on. And, and, and to me, that that was invaluable because when you think about culture and cultures gaining that exposure to different viewpoints to different ways of looking at Amen. things is important so uh, i do feel that the demands of leadership and the way people can inspire the way leaders can inspire there's uniformity there's this consistency there there are things that work but adapting yourself to different situations is also important for example what i learned in asia when i was working in thailand one of the biggest thing I learned was uh, was patience. <laughs> you know, being an Indian, we tend to talk very fast. So you know, so <laughs> being able to kind of uh, uh, so a, a lot of Indian leaders and a lot of other Asian leaders that I worked with, uh, and a lot of foreign leaders, Western leaders that I worked with, one of the things I coached them on was go slow. You know, when you're talking about the vision of the organization, you got to take pauses, you got to, you know, s slow down and ensure that there is understanding. Because what tends to happen in Asia, for instance, is that people uh, will not tell you or ask you a question that they didn't understand this vision, this grand vision that you communicated to them. So you need to go and check in. You need to, mm -hmm. you know, ask questions. You need to uh, almost individualize and regionalize. Uh, you know what you talk about. You need to know a little bit about their language and that level of curiosity that leaders need to have in a global environment. And I and that's loosely I call uh, that's the global mindset, right? I think that's very important, and that's true for the U.S. as well. We are an increasingly diverse culture. Mm -hmm. you know, most leaders are working with individuals from various you know, races and ethnicities and, and, and so on. So I think I think that's important. Appreciation of how people uh, absorb information based on their unique context and their beliefs and their biases is important. So I think leaders need to operate at both those levels, you know, at that 30,000 feet level, how do I inspire and then follow ups with that, you know, I want to know who you are. I want to know mm -hmm. your background and your beliefs and so on. So I think that's that's where you kind of create macro and micro inspiration, if you if you may. Uh, uh, the other question I think you had was around the type of employees, if you're, uh, you know, or a type of industry and so on. And I think there are differences. So if you're in a, a retail environment, for example, or a gig environment and so on, how you inspire and the mechanics of inspiration the the tools you use for inspiration and communication are very different 
So the, the healthcare example I gave you about the hope huddles or in retail, that's how you inspire people in the front lines is in the morning doing those huddles. Absolutely. And I'm always reminded of Ritz Carlton and, you know, the, the service values that they have, uh, which is really their culture code. Uh, it's that credo card. If you're familiar with Ritz Carlton, it's the credo card with their 12 service values. That is inspiring. That is incredibly inspiring. Guess who does that? Not the leader. It's the manager every day who takes that out and says, here's what we're going to do today. That's inspiration. So I think you want to move away from this big leaders inspire and it's vision and strategy and it's closed door meetings in the boardroom that tell you what employees should do to vision is shared ownership, you know, and everybody, every employee is responsible for driving the vision of the organization. But based on the type of industry you are, what kind of leader you are, uh, if you're in healthcare, or you're in financial services, adapt your communication style to how to communicate best and inspire. Great questions. It is a great question. It goes back to the one-on-ones too. Um, team discussion, having those one-on-one conversations, no matter what culture you're coming from, ethnicity, gig economy, um, corporate, exempt versus not exempt, but how do you best prefer to be communicated with? How frequently would you like communication? Um, when have you received recognition that you've really appreciated? What's the best recognition you've ever yeah. received? So I love what you're talking about there too. I mean, even at the team level, how do you all prefer to be communicated with as a team? What works most effectively for you? Yeah. Jacqueline, Mark has a good suggestion is, uh, could the best of us exercise be a yearly or twice yearly exercise? So what, you know, would that continue to give a good pulse on the ever-changing priorities and needs? I'll be honest. I actually use that best of me exercise internally all the time. The yes. For, the more the hey, merrier. What, what, <laughs> needed. what did I do? What was successful? What was happening there? What, what kind of actions did I take? What did I need to be able to do those things? And then how can I set up my environment to provide more of that? Right. And so, yeah, uh, Mark, I, I think that's a good, I mean, that's a good template to take that could be morphed, changed, adapted to different all these different kinds of environments that we have right Jacqueline I, I don't, don't Absolutely. You think that's true? to our topic of conversation even I've heard um, or topic of conversation or topic of communication even um, I've had one client that said we use this for communication so in terms of communicating this is when you'll get the best of me this is when you'll get the worst of me this is what I need from you um, but you can count on me to do this they've done it individually and they've done it as a team even to the extent of some people prefer to be communicated with by text, some by email, some by phone. So don't um, maybe assume someone is ignoring you if you're calling them when the best method of communication is going to be by text because they're on the phone all day. Yeah. So the best of us activity has even worked in scenarios when it's related to communication. That might be great yeah. for teams and individuals. If I can offer a, a tweak on that, I think it's a mm -hmm. fantastic activity. I use this for for all, all, all the executive work I do. Uh, it's the, the tweak would be, in 2020, what what did the best of us look like? You know, so because when you say that, you're that's a good one. Yeah, you're kind of saying, well, <laughs> what happened? You know, I mean, to your point, you know, what happened? <laughs> Tell me what happened. Tell me. Let's be specific. Let's write it down. You know, and the way I've used it with executive teams is, um, you know, a lot of executive teams are kind of finding their feet in 2021, and uh, uh, all the principles that applied before don't apply anymore. You know, so a lot of uh, executive sessions that we're doing is focused on roughly what we're calling guiding principles for a team. So essentially, how will you operate? 
in mm-hmm. 2021 and and to do an activity like the best of us uh just before that uh and doing it virtually obviously but you know that's so powerful when you say what did the best of us look like in 2020 what is what will the best of us look like in 2021 what does this what does that translate into in terms of specific principles and behaviors so with the particular mm-hmm. exec team i was working with last week they said well it means uh, assuming positive intent. That's, well, that's fantastic. We all we assume positive intent, you know, mm-hmm. Nobody came in with, you know, this is an issue, that's an issue. We looked at it together and said, yes, we want to do it. What will it, what will that look like in 2021? Well, we're going to establish that as a guiding principle and behavior for our executive team. So in the, in the future, when we do face a problem, we go back to those guiding principles and say, hey, look, we all agreed on this as a principle. I think that it requires that teeth. It kind of takes best of us into what are we going to do about it? And what yes. if we stray away from that direction? No, we go back to principles. That that would be uh, interesting for, for coaches to try, actually. I, I think that's a great example. If we start thinking about bringing Clifton Strengths into that as well, do you ever, um, I'm sure you have leaders come to you and say, okay, we're, we're a strengths-based organization here. How can we apply the strengths of our organization into inspiring our employees? Or how do we bring this into um, agility? And, and yeah. you know, are we looking at the top 10 of our organization or the top five of our organization to help us strategize the how we're going to inspire or how we're going to react um, with change? Yeah, I think that's a great question. You know, when you think about the strengths of an organization, is it the top five of the organization. And, and we do that at Gallup. We kind of put together mm-hmm. a, you know, an organizational strengths map. And to a great extent, it is. You know, you kind of get a very good understanding of whether it's an achiever culture or a, you know, developer culture and so on. Or but harmony I, culture. Or a harmony <laughs> Which culture. might might feel a little conflicted right now with everything going on sometimes too. Yeah. Or a command culture. I mean, yeah. when you think about that. Um, <laughs> but then think about yourself and how you operate within that culture. Uh, mm-hmm. My number 34 is discipline. So if I'm in a discipline number one culture, you know, I'd struggle, you know, so I'll need a lot <laughs> of help to kind of uh, kind of be there. But but I do think that the strengths of an organization, besides the strengths of each individual collectively, is also, as I mentioned, the positive core of the organization. What's the core mm-hmm. organization all about? What do people believe in? What are the values of the organization? Where are mm-hmm. we headed? And I think that's such a great marriage between strengths of individuals and the purpose and the vision of the organization. And I think that's a conversation that you need to have. One thing to focus on is, and we, we broadly call this the organizational identity. So if you think about the purpose, brand, and the values of an organization, that's kind of the culture of the organization, that's organizational identity. There's organizational identity, and then there's team identity. Mm-hmm. And when you think about the executive team and their identity as a team, you know, part of it is the strengths uh, team grid, let's say, right? But how do they interplay? You know, how how is the team, the executive team working to best maximize the organizational identity? And I've been in uh, executive team meetings where I've actually had leaders kind of talk about it. Like, here's who you are as a team, as a set of executives, you know, you're an achiever culture, you're an achiever team, you're highly driven, right? Here's mm-hmm. who you are as an organization. Let's Let's kind of Let's think about how you'll drive organizational performance. There's a huge, there's a tremendous match. Strengths of a team and strengths of an organization kind of coming together. Mm-hmm. So I think that's interesting uh, as a thought and an activity to do. 
is uh, use strengths and the executive strengths or the team strengths as a way of driving the vision and purpose of the organization in a very explicit way. Mm-hmm. Let me let me ask a qual uh, uh, a I almost said qualifying. That's not the word I want. Uh, a clarifying. There we go. A clarifying question from Lisa is. Did the organizational strengths map the same as the team grid or is there a different tool? You know, you mentioned we're a command culture or we're a, right. How, how do we get to that point? I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So, I mean, at Gallup, we can do that analysis where we kind of uh, take thousands of employees perhaps and kind of create more of a, uh, you know, just the, the order of strengths. What are the top five and so on? You can compare that to, a database and you say, well, you have 20% higher achiever than the average and so on. So there's a way in which you can do it. It's a little different than the team grid because team the team grid is at that micro level as well. But, but again, the team grid's a start, right? I mean, if you've got top five, it's really a matter of just ranking top five yeah. in order by quantity and then making some assumptions. Do you yeah. think that's more than just, um, you know, more than just classifying yourself as, oh, we have the most achievers, so we're an achieving culture. Don't you think there has to be more of a conversation that goes on once we see Absolutely. that data, right? Talk a little yeah. bit about that. Yeah. No, I I, I think uh, there's tremendous variance. Even if you look at that organizational culture being like top five are achiever, command, whatever that arranger and so on. It's when you say achiever culture, that's a stereotype. You know, it's like, oh, we are an achiever culture. But what about me? Why I'm developer or so on and so forth, right? So I think it's more kind of the description of organizational strengths is one thing. Is that the culture of the organization? No, because the culture of the organization is much larger than the individual strengths or the collective strengths of the employees who work there. It's a factor of your legacy. It's a factor of your values, who you are, what your strategy is, what your purpose is. So I'd say that the culture of the organization is much greater. But culture, the way we define is, is the way things get done, right? So, you know, I, I think that's the that's the focus. I love that definition because it it's the practical implication of culture. It's behaviors. And that's where we want to drive more people towards is what are the behaviors? What are the most positive behaviors that drive success? Now, if a lot of you are achievers, you'll drive success a certain way in a team. And a lot of you are developers, that would be different. But it's the collective, the combination of all the strengths that actually makes the difference. I think one more really good question from the chat room is, and Lisa's on fire. Uh, she's getting all the good questions here. Um, do you, um, when we think about, do you work with leaders who want the vision but don't want to invest in the inspiration part? Right? Yeah. How do you convince them? Or uh, let, let me rephrase That's a great it. Question. What can how can coaches help with this? Like That's the role of a coach is different than the role of a leader in an organization. A lot of mm-hmm. times, how can how can our coaches help leaders get to this? Yeah. There are a lot of leaders who want to kind of, all they want is to create that vision statement and it's, you know, Check going on offsite, you know, going on a retreat, lock the doors and voila, mm-hmm. you got the vision. I remember I had a client I was working with and he said, you know, I don't want to call it a retreat because that means you're moving back. <laughs> you know, <laughs> So we called it an advance. So <laughs> we called the workshop an advance, uh, which is great because that's, that's the spirit there. Frankly, if you have a leadership team who all they want to do is create a bunch of words, they can do it themselves. I mean, I I don't know whether they need Gallup or or anybody else to do it. But the job of a leader is to convert 
vision into behaviors and inspiration. So mm-hmm. I, I think that's important. Um, and if you have leaders who might be short sighted and say, oh, all we want to do is this and then get wordsmith it really nicely and, and make it look pretty. Uh, that's not the point at all. I think you need accountability. You need your leaders to be accountable. And uh, when you open up the process of discovering what your vision and purpose is to the larger organization, not just the leadership team, that's where we've seen it work the best. So the activity I told you about, give leaders a bunch of questions to go and find out. Mm-hmm. And when I ask them to do it, I don't say, talk to your direct reports. I say, talk to your customers, <laughs> you know, talk to people at different levels of the organization about what the culture of the organization means. That's where we've seen the most success because people come in with these stories that and create that shared vision rather than, hey, let's just get in a room and come up with this fancy sounding vision of values, right? I think that's important. Otherwise, they're just words in the wall. I I use this example a lot. You know, when you think about, we do a lot of values work as well, right? When you think about values like respect, integrity, teamwork, and execution, this is an organization's values. And you think about it and you say, well, that's a fantastic company. I'd love to work in this company. These are the values of Enron. Remember Enron? (laughs) (laughs) When you think about that, it's, again, you know, you can come up with a vision statement. You can come up with a bunch of values. How much of that is inspired by what we're people are saying? Mm-hmm. And driving behavior and results. So it goes back, right back to if you can have this vision, you have business outcomes you might want to strive to achieve. But if you're not driving the behavior through inspiring your employees and helping them see why they should be acting in, in such a way or, or striving towards this vision, then Absolutely. you're not going to achieve the results you want to. I love that, boss. Will, um, as we kind of think we're kind of coming towards the end here, Vipasta, anything that we missed in this that that you would think, man, I I, I didn't get asked this question and I should have. Uh, now now would be the time. What else? What did, we, <laughs> what, did, yeah. what did Jacqueline and I miss? I think we covered quite a lot of ground, but I, I just say one of the things that I'm thinking about these days is, uh, and I think this is a question, similar question was asked about how vision or inspiration, how people want to be inspired differently Mm -hmm. based on who they are uh one big shift we know is uh from paycheck to purpose uh you know and then a lot of it is being driven by millennials and how do they want to be inspired how how do the future generations want to be inspired so it's just that keep thinking about these old that the old-fashioned norms of a vision statement and a purpose statement might not work uh for the future those very specific behaviors and personalizing the purpose works we did some research on with millennials and i think about only about a quarter of millennials said that they'd heard someone talk about their work and how it connects to the mission and purpose of the company. One out of four millennials actually see a connection. So I think as you kind of look at, uh, I mean, the, the, the estimates are by 2025, 75% of the workforce will be millennial. Mm-hmm. Think about that. You know, it's enough to um, push some of us into early retirement. <laughs> it's, 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 a, it's, 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 it's a fact. So how will you keep inspiring future generations of workers and employees and leaders, it's a moving target. You know, don't just go back to old notions and methods of inspiration and vision creation. You got to you got to think anew. I'm glad you brought that up because um, Achita had talked about that too in in the chat in terms of how do you inspire from a non-compensatory manner? And I think this helps, especially with the research we have, to say. Uh, the assumption in, in days past, it might've been about the paycheck, but it, it, it's so much more about the purpose these days. And how are they maybe even leaning into their strengths to contribute to that purpose? How are they offering value? And that's what 
they're really seeking in the workplace these days. Jacqueline, we've got some, this doesn't end today. We've got uh, a few more of these coming up here in February, March. As we think about moving ahead, I know the next one, and I think it's going to be very timely, is helping leaders make great decisions. What else is coming and what are you excited about as we think about the the coming series on this? I'm, I'm, I'm so excited just to help um, coaches help leaders because right now leaders are really looking towards us to say, how do how can you help me create this vision? Um, I have a team retreat coming up. Um, I'm worried these topics might arise in terms of things that have happened in 2020. So now we can lean into appreciative inquiry. We can talk about Clifton strengths. Um, so I'm really just excited with some of the, the the strategies that we can support leaders with. They're focused on their well-being. They're focused on leading through inspiration. Uh, they're focused on how to drive the team forward in 2021. So please stick with us because we're going to have uh, more tactical solutions and questions for you while we, of course, integrate Clifton Streets into that. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for it as well. Vipas, on our way out, any inspirational message to our coaches? What what would you tell them to inspire them in some of the work that they're doing? Drive, um, drive hope. <laughs> mm-hmm. Create hope. Uh, I think... I mean, Shane Lopez, who's kind of the pioneer mm-hmm. in the area of research around happiness and hope, you know, he, 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 he said that hope matters and that hope is a choice that, and hope can be learned and hope can be shared. So I think that's very important as you get into 2021 and the future is create hope yeah. and optimism. I think hope is probably going to be hope and recognition. And I think hope driven by recognition, right, I think is going to be kind of the key to this. Jacqueline, take a second to thank Vipas and then I'll close it up. Yes. Thank you so much. Uh, It's such a wonderful kickoff to have you start this leadership series for us because this is, this has been the, the topic on everyone's minds. Uh, We both know that from coaching leaders and a lot of the coaches on today are also working with leadership and, and wondering, what do we do? How do we help them see it, touch it, paint, paint this vision and create some vision and inspiration as a result of it. So Uh, much appreciated, my friend. Absolutely. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Uh, Thank you both, Jacqueline and Jim. Yeah, no, great great to have you. Uh, With that, I'll remind everyone to take full advantages of all the resources we do have available now in Gallup Access. And we are literally adding more and more resources to Gallup Access every single week. So if you haven't been in there in a while, head back, go to gallup.com slash cliftonstrengths, go to the resources section. The menu is in the upper left-hand corner on the page. Drop that down, go to resources and search. And you don't even have to lead Gallup Access a lot of times to get the information you need. So a lot of what we're talking about today was there. We'd love to have you jump back in and get access to those resources. For coaching, master coaching, or to become a Gallup Certified Strengths Coach, just contact us. Coaching at Gallup.com will get you hooked up with the right person to have that conversation. If you want to hear the rest of the series that's coming up, you got to follow us on Eventbrite. So go to gallup.eventbrite.com, follow us there, create an account, and then click the follow button. You'll get an email notification for me whenever we add these, Jacqueline. We're going to be adding all of January's already out there. We're mm-hmm. adding February here in the next week, and then March right behind that. So you want to We've make sure coming up client cases. It's going to be great. So please stay tuned. <laughs> it's going to be. Pre- I'm I'm pretty excited. Like this is a yes. great way to start the year. We've we have definitely front loaded the year with talent. Yes. We kicked it off right today with talent. So for, for the two of you, thanks for doing that. Uh, make sure you follow us on any social platform. Just search Clifton Strengths. We want to thank you for joining us today and for for uh, uh, being a part of the conversation. Chat room, you were just as important today 
in our conversation as you ever are. So we appreciate that. I'll ask you guys to hang tight. But if you're listening live, thanks for coming out and doing that. With that, we'll say goodbye, everybody.